Hello and welcome to this new podcast series, Sharing a Piece of Pie, talking about SAP IBP or Integrated Business Planning. I am your host, Jonathan Fogarty, and I have the pleasure of guiding you through some fascinating conversations about how to unlock the secrets of IBP and how it can help your business. Whether you are dangerously incompetent, like me, or a spreadsheet warrior, there will be something here for everyone. Now, each week, we'll have some fascinating guests to hear real-world use cases of how business is doing integrated planning. But the real star of the show, joining me each week to navigate through it all, is one of the good guys of the IBP community here in Australia, Mr. Mark Golly. Welcome, Mark. Hi, Jonathan. How are you doing? Always pleasure to see you and hear you, my friend. Now, for those that might have missed podcast episode one, firstly, where were you? And secondly, can you give us a quick summary, Mark, of your role in the IBP universe? Yeah, okay, Jonathan. Listen, um, the way I best describe myself is that I'm a politician. (laughs) Um, Somebody that knows enough about something to be dangerous, but not enough about anything um, to really know what I'm talking about. And people that really know me can actually vouch for that. I've made a living off of being... um, close enough technically to explain what's going on, but at a high level enough to explain to a CEO in an elevator what IBP is. So my job is to actually sell um, IBP within our business, but also to make sure that the users and the people that are the uh, recipients of the output of that know exactly what's going on, how to interpret it, how to read it, and how to make best use of it. Well, you had me at hello. Good enough for me, sir. <laughs> now, mate, after our first introductory episode, no surprises. We've blown up completely. We have spent all of our travel budget on one episode. We've travelled all the way to Denmark, for goodness sake, to share a piece of pie with our first official guest, Senior IT Architect Planning and Forecasting at Arla Foods, Benny Christensen. Benny, hello and welcome. Hello and welcome. Uh, thanks for talking to me. It's, uh, yeah, it sounds really... Uh, yeah, one of my favorite topics you picked. So, uh, yeah, nice well, to be here. It's great to have you. We've traveled all this way. We love your beautiful country. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself for those that are unlucky enough not to have met Benny yet? Sure. Uh, so, uh, yeah, my name is Benny Christensen, and I work with Arla Foods for a lifetime, uh, always within the space of uh, planning and forecasting. Uh, so I've planned cheeses, I've uh, forecasted, uh, uh, but for the last many years, I've uh, joined the dark side and worked with IT, uh, trying to make fantastic tools for our uh, business, uh, you know, to excel uh, within the planning space. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just... Uh, Sounds, all I heard was cheese and, and I just went off into a fabulous place. <laughs> We're going to talk about yes. uh, all sorts of different uh, products uh, and specialties, I'm sure, tonight. But Mark and Benny, firstly, welcome to you both. Thank you. Last week, we just set a bit of a baseline. I'm coming at this from a really low base. And our audience, we don't want to assume are, you know, dark masters like the two of you. And we talked about the role that IBP plays at its most basic level. So this time, we're going to step a little bit deeper into the kiddie pool and talk about the concept of demand and specifically the role it plays and what it means and how IBP handles it. Mark, start with you. Can you give me and the listeners the 101 on this concept of demand, please? Yeah. So, Jonathan, just as the podcast title is, is that demand isn't a game of chance. And I actually think that um, um, 
we know from an IBP perspective um, what is going on all the time to improve um, the demand offer. Now, SAP are working very hard uh, to do that. Whether it's there's much more focus on machine learning or AI forecasting models, or in they've just recently introduced a build your own type of forecast, right? Uh, but they've also got the standard offering models of things like um, Arama, Crostons, and for those um, um, forecasting geeks out there, um, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. From an IBP perspective, it's not lacking from a functionality perspective or from a technical perspective. I believe that IBP demand actually as a baseline does the basics really well, things like outlier detection, missing values, right? and the very basic promotional uplift capability um, is sufficient for those that don't have an integrated CRM. But it also has a couple of unique offerings that set it apart from some of its competitors as well. And one of those things we'll be talking about a little bit later is in terms of demand sensing, whereas it uses artificial intelligence or machine learning to pick up on signals to sharpen the for, uh, short-term forecast. And Benny and Arla are experts at, at demand sensing. Um, they've got best fit modeling, right? You choose a few. Right, um, of your models, the system advises you the best outcome, right, and you apply that, right. So it does the heavy lifting for you. Auto forecasting, set and forget with alerts. That is just awesome, yeah. And advice on what level of forecasting gives you the best outcome. It is a mature product from SAP and it is outstanding, um, and is one of their best. So, Mark, you've triggered me there pretty heavily, I'm not going to lie, because the last 12 months I haven't been able to buy toilet paper, I haven't been able to buy <laughs> staple items, I've got a basement full of them anyway, but I need more. Uh, Benny, we've seen empty shelves with COVID and people's buying habits have been turned upside down. Has demand planning even been possible in the last 12, 18 months? It's not been easy. <laughs> I'll say that. Uh, it's, uh, you know... Uh, the, the, just the sheer amount of, uh, we call them black swans, uh, just, you know, uh, it's crazy. Uh, things you did not imagine happening happens. Um, and our real challenge here is we, uh, we are a seasonal business. You might not think of cheese as seasonal, but uh, there, are, there are, is a season for everything. Uh, and these, uh, these disruptive events, they really corrupt your data. So we need to, you know, navigate the, in these events uh, to to continue to have a stable uh, solution and uh, a good forecast, but uh, so suddenly post such a, an event, you'll see a new pattern emerging, the new normal, and there it's really you know we've implemented IVP demand planning and demand sensing, and that you know we couldn't have done it without that because during the event we have to go manual because. I mean, there is no, no indication of what is good tomorrow. You can't learn from the past. You can't look to the future. You don't know where you are. You just more or less have to wing it. But having to wing it means you need to really uh, have a stable system where you can say, okay, let it run for this. That seems fine for now. We'll go full manual here while the rest is just uh, running like clockwork. So having this system where we can then go in and switch segment, tune the parameters, change the forecast method, Evaluate new uh, really made the whole difference for us. Otherwise, we would just have been in a very dark place uh, about all this. Um, so yeah, use a lot of time on automation here, but uh, during the disruptive events, manual is the key word. 
Wow. And that's, I mean, that is no doubt, Benny, in all seriousness, that's a challenge that businesses all over the world have been facing over the last 18 months, two years and beyond. Mark, from a local perspective, uh, you, you know, did you sort of share that experience? Is that what you were seeing locally? And and take us through into this concept of demand sensing and how do we actually become a bit more sophisticated to try and head off some of these challenges? Yeah, okay. Um, Jonathan, just to, yeah, from a local uh, perspective, we actually did see the same kind of um, supply chain disruption but in different kinds of forms and formats as well. And with lockdowns, we had pack size shifts from our hospitality businesses, for example, not being able to supply those, but um, and stocking up of, of those in the, um, in the packs uh, segment. But for me, the real question isn't if demand planning has been possible. The real question for me is that looking at it through different colored gla- um, glasses, for example, is if your process can adapt to the new ways of work. Right. And then can the technology support this? For example, right, in theory, demand planning is generally considered unconstrained. Right? So, but if you know that you have constraints, like for example, in, in, in Australia and New Zealand, there's a um, pallet shortage of, of hardwood, right? or you have labour shortages due to a COVID outbreak, for example, do you continue to plan what you want to sell or do you plan what you can sell so for me it's actually the same challenges that benny has seen in europe with ala is the same challenges that we actually see here in australia and in new zealand um, as well but for me it's about can the process be agile enough to adapt to those supply chain disruptions and what do you do in the circumstances where you have um known disruptions which is going to impact on um, supply do you capture the unfulfilled demand or do you actually forecast what you think you can sell or do you forecast what you can sell so it's an interesting conundrum um, that's being faced by businesses in this um, period of disruption so i guess for me um the It's an interesting question because, and it's one which has dominated many uh, planning uh, teams' conversations. Um, I know in our business, but also in other businesses, um, when do you plan to sell what you think you can sell or plan what you can sell? It impacts on things like key KPIs, like bias and forecast accuracy. They are impacted as a result. And the ability to change gears and change quickly is a feature of, of, of the demand sensing. Right, um, like um, like we mentioned, picking up on signals in the short term, adjusting demand has positives not only for not only the demand and sales community, but also the supply chain community as well from a deployment perspective, to make sure that the products that you do have get to their intended locations at the right time. So demand sensing is um, a massive um, um, advantage. Um, in a period of supply chain disruption. I get it. And boy, even even I can understand that. It seems pretty crucial that you only have the capacity and the output from one end of the supply chain that you've got the ability to manufacture and then hopefully sell. Benny, in your world, in the Arla world, and the the beautiful, gorgeous world of, of cheese, which I do love, 
in your world, what are the benefits of, of demand sensing and, and how does it play out in real time and reality in, in the world that you occupy? Yeah. So, well, demand sensing was, you know, our first real step in making uh, digital come real into the planning space. You know, we uh, there was a lot of talk about digital for a while and I, I didn't understand fully and what it meant. But now, you know, with the process as demand sensing, where you suddenly have a completely different way of looking at demands, looking at patterns with machine learning um, and, and, and actually letting go of the reins that's, yeah, that's new to us, but it was, you know, the ambition was clear from the start. If we explore this and if it becomes a success, what does good look like? Well, it doesn't look like an empty office with just one man oiling the machine. It looks like a full office with all the demand planners that were there yesterday, they're there tomorrow, but they're not sitting there looking at the tip of their shoes, what are we going to sell tomorrow and the day after and the next week. They're there looking up uh, with binoculars, looking at the future, what big rocks are there out there? Okay, so what's the trends in the market? How do I shape my future demand in the long term? Because we all know the real value-adding processes in, in planning are if we can make some decisions on the long term, because that's where we have the degrees of freedom, right? On the long term, we have much bigger uh, uh, leeway in what we can do. In the short term, maybe we can uh, stop a shift or two. In the long term, we can buy a new machine. So freeing up the planner from working with short-term forecasts to working with long-term was the ambition here. And, you know, that's what the, the, the solution delivered uh, for us, uh, enabling on a lot of products to do an automatically generated forecast that was as good as, or even in many cases, better than what we spend our time doing. Uh, and then freeing up the planner to do something that's infinitely more fun and value-adding. That's just a uh, yeah, great business case for us. And Mark, th thank you, Benny, because I, I kind of heard what you said there. And Mark, to me, the key pivot point there was about letting go of the control and not being a control freak like I suspect I am. Is that hard for businesses to make that? It's almost a mind shift uh, and a culture shift to, to allow the demand sensing process and capabilities come to the fore. That, that sounds like a, a massive pivot for some organisations. And it is, Jonathan, and, and it is a change in the way businesses think, and it's a change in the way um, that um, 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 ways of work um, in, in normal business sense. But like Benny said, the benefits far outweigh, um, and you don't go jumping into these kind of things you know, without piloting as, um, as Benny and the team did right before full deployment or anything like that. Um, so to prove your business case and then to show the value of it um, being manifested in the fact that the demand planners actually have more time to be more productive to solve longer term issues or longer term, so seek longer term opportunities or to create more value for their business is something that no business will turn away from or no business will turn their nose up at. You know, to get the system to do the heavy lifting for you to pick up on short-term signals, which then play out from a deployment perspective, from a supply chain perspective, it's a win-win all round for everyone, the sales community, the demand community, and the supply chain community. I love it. Benny, last question to you then. It sounds like for Arla, um, the cheese continues to flow, which we're very pleased about. <laughs> What's next? What, what, what do you guys want to achieve now that you've got this kind of foundational 
IBP demand, demand sensing capability, where to from here? Well, uh, I think world dominance is a logical next step. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, uh, no, <laughs> but seriously, you know, uh, we are on a full end-to-end journey here at ALA, uh, and that's new to us because, you know, traditionally planning, we've done a lot of handovers. We've done a demand plan, handed it over to a supplier planner who sent it over to a central planner, blah, 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 a lot of handovers. And you know, planners, they have big hearts and big minds, so they want to do their best. And if you get something, you want to improve it. <laughs> what we need to do in the future is we want to have the same plan flowing through the system, being as good as a plan we could have done with a lot of uh, touching it. So we want to have less touch points on the plan, less interactive planning, and more system-generated optimization, more exceptions, uh, and less uh, you know, manual. This looks good, but it could be even better. Um, yeah, so that's a really cool journey we're on, uh, involving all planning processes and defining new ones because we don't have a value chain planner today. Will we have one tomorrow? I don't know, maybe. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah. It's, and, wow. And IBP is really uniquely suited for this. Uh, Perfect answer. Thank you, my friend. Uh, Mark, as always, the last word to you, against my better judgment, <laughs> as always. Uh-huh. We talked last week about what is IBP and how does it look good and how does it help a business. This week, we've kind of added another layer about the role of demand and, and in these very fractured and difficult circumstances, the world finds itself in this capability for demand sensing. What's the message for people that are listening to this that maybe are not as brave, sophisticated, well set up, whatever the words are, what's the message out of this capability and that, that you know, if, if Benny and these beautiful people in Denmark can do it. Why can't they? Last word or last words. I think you just need to take a chance. Keep it simple, which happens to be the title of our next podcast, Mm. his principle. Keep it simple. You don't need to overcomplicate it. Understand that IVP demand is a mature um, uh, tool um, and start small. Don't overcomplicate things, and um, and progress from there, um, and and you won't be disappointed because it has the entire capability um, that you are you are looking for from a high level forecast, a top down level forecast, or a bottom level uh, forecast. Building it up, it has the capability to support both. Brilliant. Well. Sadly, as always, that is all we have time for on episode two of Sharing a Piece of Pie, the IBP podcast. And I feel like we've not just shared a piece of pie, we've shared some stories and and a really interesting insight. Uh, Benny Christensen from Arlo Foods, thank you so much for being part of it. We wish you good luck on your journey. This is just the beginning. And and we'd like to check in in the future, if we may, and find out how your journey's going. Please do. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Oh, it's been great. And Mark Golly, to you, uh, uh, as we do every week, thank you for your time. It's fascinating that there's more people like you out there in the world, and I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you should be scared and excited at the same time. I always am. Thank you, my friend, for your time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us in episode two of Sharing a Piece of Pie, the IBP podcast. Until we meet again, I'm Jonathan Fogarty. Be well, stay safe, be kind to each other, and good planning until we meet again. Bye for now.